Grace and peace to you this morning. We want to welcome you here. We're so glad that you're here on the the Lord's Day. Um, If you have a Bible, you can open it to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 will be there in in, in just a moment. I want to to mention a couple things before we begin. Of course, we have lots of events happening. We have uh, um, singing tonight, area-wide singing, 5 o'clock. We've got a men's breakfast coming up uh, this next Saturday. We've got a, a ladies' event um, the, this next Sunday, we've got a seminar coming up in February, and I just want to talk about it for just a moment. The Bible Jesus used, why the Old Testament still matters. And so we're going to have Chuck Webster with us from Birmingham, Alabama, and Christopher Stevens, who is the, the preacher at the Avenue G Congregation in Temple, um, Texas. And they're going to talk about this, I think, very important, relevant subject. I've never, I don't know if you've ever thought about this much, but, uh, Why do we use the Old Testament? Why do we preach from the Old Testament? Why do we teach from the Old Testament? I would encourage you to be here for this. Invite your friends. I think you'll be blessed by the messages that these two individuals bring. And of course, uh, we're in a new series this year, Living Word, a study of the story of God, where we're looking at uh, Scripture and and what it means to our lives. And some of the things that we're doing in this study is we're, we're seeking to know more about Scripture, more about God's Word, to strengthen our relationship with God and to better understand God's will for our lives. So we're glad that you're here this morning. We're glad that you decide to worship with us and you're participating uh, in this series. And so last week we began this journey of becoming more familiar with the, the Word that God has given us. This, this is God's Word that He has handed down to us. And we learned that the Bible is one long narrative that begins with creation. The first sentence in the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so there's a beginning and there's an end. And we learned that God is an eternal being who has created everything that we see and that He alone is worthy of worship. This biblical narrative that we have, the thing that we call Bible or Scripture, it answers important questions that all people have, not just Christians, but all people have these questions. And these are questions like, who are we? Uh, Where are we? What has gone wrong? And what is the solution? And so last week we saw how Genesis 1-1 answers this first question. We are surrounded by God's creation. And we are here because God created this planet. He has given us a place to live. And and, and not only that, He continues to sustain it. He provides for His creation. And so this morning we're going to turn our attention to uh, the second question. Who are we? And in order to do this, we need to skip down just a few verses. We're still going to be in Genesis chapter 1. But we're going to skip down to Genesis 1 and verse 26. And the Bible is still addressing creation. But in this verse, the focus becomes uh, the creation of human beings. And so we're now learning about humanity. And this is what we discover. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so uh, what do we learn from from this passage? We learn that, that all creation is not equal. 
Um, all creation is important. It is God's. He, he made it and therefore he cares about all of it. And we cannot disregard any aspect of it. Uh, if you go and you study the, the law of Moses, you'll find regulations in that law for how people are to treat and how people are not to treat uh, plants and animals. And so God cares about what he has made. And so we cannot treat creation uh, however we want to. At the same time, we need to understand that all creation is not the same. That, that God endows creation with certain abilities, certain attributes. And in Genesis 1.26, we're told that he endows human beings with divine attributes. Now, this cannot be said of any other creature. Human beings are not God, but we are created to be like God in certain ways. And so we're the, the crown jewel of God's creation. This is one of the points made in Psalm 8. Psalm 8. And I just want to read it for you this morning because I think this is a, an important psalm. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Now, when we think about creation or we think about, you know, creation accounts, most people think about Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. But there are actually several accounts of creation throughout the Bible, and, and Psalm 8 is one of them. The psalmist reflects on the creation of God. He admires God's handiwork. It was God who created all these things. It was God who created the, the, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And, and considering who God is and considering all that he has done, the psalmist then asks this question. What is man or what, is human, what are human beings that, that you are mindful of them and the son of man that you care for him? And you would think the answer would be, well, man is nothing when it comes to God. Why would the God of the universe concern himself with human beings? And this is what we expect. But we're then surprised when the psalmist says this, yet you, God, have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And so God has, has given human beings a, a special place in his creation. He cares greatly for humanity. He has crowned us with glory and honor. And this is an important passage for us to remember. It's important not just because it tells us about creation, it does that, but because we sometimes fall into this trap of thinking, 
Why would God care about me? Why would he? We understand our insignificance before an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God. And if we're not careful, we can convince ourselves that, you know what, we just really don't matter. And this is why we need to return to passages like Psalm 8 and Genesis 1, because these passages and others remind us that we do matter and that God does care about us and that we are significant in the eyes of God. We also learn in this passage and Genesis 1 that God has given us a special position in his creation. And so it says that he has given us dominion over all the other creatures. And this means that we are to be stewards of God's creation. We have some responsibility here. We're to look after it. We're to care for it. Genesis 2.15 says that God placed Adam and Eve in the garden to work it and to keep it. They were over the garden. They were over all the animals. And this was their place in creation. Now we need to understand that, that God has, has placed humanity over creation and not the other way around. Human beings are not the same as animals or plants. We are set apart from the rest of God's creation. We are blessed with divine attributes. We are created in the image of God and we are given a special task. You know, this is one of the reasons why Christians feel so strongly about life. We are concerned about life at, at every stage. We believe life is precious and it's something that should not be taken away. Every life matters. One human being is not more important than another human being. And all life should be defended from the moment of conception. It's because Genesis 1 and verse 26 assigns value to life. And this belief, this understanding is something that has set apart Christians from the very beginning of the church. Christians would take in babies that were exposed. And so in ancient times, if a child was not wanted, often little girls, you know, that might not, oh, I don't, we don't want this child. And so they would set it out and they would leave it out in the elements, maybe at a trash dump or somewhere else, in order to die. This is what people did when they didn't want a child. And Christians, they would come along and they would find these children. They would take them and they would care for them. And Christians were the first to build orphanages and hospitals. And they were known for helping the poor. And anything else that had to do with valuing life, Christians did it. And guess what? The, the, the pagans around them, they began to notice. And this is what Christians were known for. Well, let me suggest to you that as our culture grows more and more secular, one of the things we need to look for is opportunities for us to value life. We need to let our Christian ethic shine in a culture that has lost its way. We need to do whatever we can that lets people know we believe life is important. Uh, this means opposing abortion. It means 
supporting adoption any way that we can and helping those who want to adopt. It means being concerned about rising suicide rates. It means caring for the poor, those who are in need. It means helping the sick. All these things and, and more are ways that we can value life. Genesis 1.26 is also important because it tells us something um, about ourselves. And so many people have taken notice over the years of these pronouns in this verse. God says, let us make man in our image. He doesn't say, let me make man in my image. It's the other way around. And so this verse teaches us something important about God, that God is not alone. Now there's a lot of mystery surrounding this, but there are a couple things that we can say. Um, later on in Scripture, we will discover that there are three persons in the Godhead. There is the Father, there is the Son, and there is the Holy Spirit. And so we, we see that God dwells in constant community. And we understand from this verse that God has created us to live in community as well. And we are reminded of this throughout Scripture. Um, even from the very beginning, even from this creation account, God creates woman because he looks and sees that it's not good for man to be alone. Solitude can be a blessing from time to time, but isolation is a curse. And God calls his people to live in community, whether it be the nation of Israel or whether it be the church. Christianity is not something that we can do on our own. That's not an option that we find in the Bible. We are to be a part of God's church. We are to meet together. We are to encourage one another. We are to help each other out. Think about the life of Jesus. When, when Jesus begins his ministry, he does so by calling other people, by calling people with whom he's going to live with and work with and do ministry with. And remember, Jesus is our example. You know, Jesus is the Son of God. He's the, the, the sinless human. He's the perfect human. He could have done everything on his own, but he doesn't. Jesus models how we are to, to live. And we see that community was an important part of his life. Religious community was at the center of his life, and our lives shouldn't be any different. The challenge that we face is that we live in a culture that highly values individualism. And so this has even made its way into religion because we talk about our own personal walk with Jesus or, or my personal Bible study. And certainly we need to follow Jesus on our own. We need to study the Bible on our own. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. But the focus of the Bible is on being a part of Christian community. That's what the Bible talks about over and over and over again, not going out and doing Christianity on your own. It is following Jesus alongside other believers. And this is important on so many levels. Uh, in the book Core 52, it says this, we'll never know our true selves in isolation. I believe that to be true. As long as we refuse to be a part of the life of the church, we will always be missing something. 
And here's the thing, being a part of the life of the church involves more than just Sunday morning worship. Right after the church is established in Acts chapter 2, we are given a description of what the church is to be like. I, just, I know you've probably heard this before, but I want you to hear it again and just think about this is what the church is supposed to be doing. This is the life of the church. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done to the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I understand that, that we all have busy lives and that we can't meet together daily. But we should be able to carve out time in our lives where we meet with our church family on a regular basis outside the Sunday morning assembly. That's not too much to ask. Because we are called to do life together. We are called to serve together and to fellowship together. This is what it means to be a church. And I understand this is not easy for everyone. I get it. You know, my idea of a good time is a good book and a good cup of coffee and a comfortable chair. And, you know, one of my sons is perfectly content in his room reading alone with a book. And, and the other uh, tells us to be quiet in the car so he can listen to his songs. And you know what? Both of them get that from me. And so uh, I, I understand it's not something that just happened. It comes from me. Uh, community does not come natural to all of us. And it can be awkward. It's something that takes work. It's messy sometimes. It's not always easy. But these difficult moments help to shape us into the people that we ought to be. And God works through these difficulties, and He does sort of bless us. And even though community can be a challenge, it leads to great blessing. The church is a family. We're there for one another in good times and bad times. You cannot put a price on Christian friendship. And God places people in our lives, but we're never going to experience the, the blessings of that if we don't take advantage of it. And one of the reasons why we don't always grasp the blessings of God, I believe, is because we don't live into them. And so sometimes we, we have this, this idea, this wrong idea, that, that we think God is magic. And we think that when we become a Christian, you know, God is going to automatically bless us with all these things. He's going to wave his magic wand and life will be as it should be. And that's not how it works. We become a Christian to follow Jesus. And guess what? His life was a life that led to the cross. There are great blessings in the Christian life. But we have to follow Jesus. And we're not going to experience the blessing of the truth of Scripture unless we take it seriously and we live it out in our lives. 
We can believe all the scripture there is in the Bible, but until we begin to live it, we're not going to experience blessing. And we're not going to experience the blessing of church unless we give ourselves to the life of the church and we choose to participate in what the church is doing. Family is a blessing, but it cannot be a blessing if you never talk to your family or if you never get to know your family or if you never eat with your family or if you never work alongside your family. Well, guess what? The church is a family, but it's only a blessing if we behave like a family. And we provide lots of opportunities to do church together. We have small groups, and we do a monthly potluck meal, and we have service projects, and we have a men's breakfast, and we have a ladies' event coming up at the end of this month. And um, let me just encourage you to participate in as many of these activities as you can. I know you can't do all of them. I get that. But make an effort to participate in as many as you can. God wants us to do life together. We were created for community. And I guarantee you that you will be blessed when you do this, and you will bless others as well. And so don't deny who God created you to be. God created us to be in community and for community. And so choose to make this a, a focus of 2020. And your life will be blessed in countless ways. And, and when you do this, you're going to, to honor God as well. And so may we always remember who God created us to be. And may we also remember to it, who it is we belong. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we're so thankful for your holy word, which uh, gives us wisdom and guidance. And Father... We pray that we would not just come to know and understand your word, but that we would take it and that we would live it out in our lives. Um, Father, we recognize this morning that we have great responsibility as human beings, that you have placed us in care of your creation. So uh, we ask that we would take that seriously and that we would um, be good stewards of what you have blessed us with. And Father, be with us as we strive to be the community that you have called us to be, to love one another, to uh, help one another, to encourage one another, to rejoice with one another, to, to be a community that, that is a light in this town. We're so thankful for your son who has taught us how to, how to live and how to do community. And we're especially thankful for his sacrifice, which gives us forgiveness of sins because we understand that uh, community can sometimes get messy and that we need forgiveness. And may we always remember that we have grace and forgiveness in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in His name. Amen.